So it's full-on July right now. It's summer snowboarding time. Hopefully some of you are out at Mount Hood or up at Whistler. This episode was recorded in the dead of winter 2015 with Sean Farmer down at Mount Baker. You can hear the bombs blasting in the background. I've just been going through the old episodes and trying to remix them, make them a bit better now that I have a little more producing experience. Welcome to the and Red Snowboarding Podcast. I'm Eric Charlson, and this is the episode with Sean Farmer, Remixed. This is a soundtrack from the Claymation in Totally Bored, the first of the TV series snowboard movies by the Hatchet Brothers under the Standard Films label. Sean Farmer closes out the film by doing the Mount Baker Road Gap with his shirt off. It's like the most manly thing that had happened in snowboarding up to that point. And Farmer had lots more where that came from. This is as far as I go. Here, take this dynamite. Strange things happen in these mountains. Yeah, I don't, you don't put that in the interview. Okay, I won't. But when you're dealing with business, you're dealing with a lot of horseshit. <laughs> but they're, they were kind of like almost trying too hard to be wild and crazy. I remember standing at the top of the pipe with Bert Lamar in, in 86. In the early 90s, groups of snowboarders were gathering in major ski resort towns all over the world. And every fall, a new batch of snowboard movies would hit the shops and stoke out the riders who'd been hibernating since spring, waiting for the snow to fall. Standard Films TV series were always at the top of my list of must-see snowboard movies every year. Combining freestyle and freeriding with a heavy metal soundtrack, some of the most iconic tricks in history were documented in those early films. Over 20 years later, you can still ask pretty much any pro snowboarder from the 90s if they remember Noah's Backside 7 from TV4. And believe me, they still remember. But I can honestly say I don't think anything in those movies stood out more than Farmer's Wrath. It was one of snowboarding's first fuck-yeah moments, and it burned the words of Farmer's egocentric personality into the young brains of snowboarding's growing masses. This is the greatest fucking rhyme of all time. Drill a hole in your head and pour it into your mind and check it into your brain. I'm talking mainline, cause I can lock in on a topic, just like a smith grind. For this episode, we're bringing you a conversation with Sean Farmer, who's still rapping and still shredding today, same as ever. This was recorded on the chairlift and in the lodge, so turn it up and pretend you're riding chair 5 at Mount Baker with one of Snowboarding's gnarliest legs. But they didn't allow, they, none of those places allowed snowboarding. Even Breckenridge, did, they, they allowed it for a minute and then they banned it. They said you had to have alpine boots, ski boots, and release bindings. That was the only way you could come on the mountain with a snowboard. So like, I went and got like, made these release bindings, you know? I would have to show you, this is the wackiest contraption ever. And it, it was even worse, it was more dangerous because it didn't, they, they wouldn't stay on. Sean Farmer's first board was a Burton Performer Elite with no high backs. He calls it a piece of junk. He says he ripped out the inserts. It was actually a challenge to find good product back in the mid-80s, especially boots. Your feet hurt so bad. You couldn't even get a pair of decent yeah, boots. Like, you know, you wear Sorrells or felt liners, and then, then we started putting ski boot liners in them, but even that, like, what was kind of lame, because, like, ski boot liners are really thin down by your arch and everything. They don't yeah. have that much support, because they have... It's a different design, you know? Back in the early days, it was pretty common for snowboarders to experiment with hard boots. I always cut them down because I never, like, rode, like, a total hard shell boot. I couldn't do it. I, I, I just, 
I would try and I would go do it and I'd just start carving them down. Pretty soon they weren't like a hard shell anymore. It was just like gone, you know? <laughs> and then when they finally like, I just went back to soft linings. But I, but I did ride the hard boots for a while. I had like the Koflax, uh, I think that was the main That's one. The Whatever Damien and those guys wore, I had a pair of those one time. Still just kind of a pain. It used to just be pain, you know? And, and yeah, and then you were just trying to figure <laughs> out how that would work, you know, because you're always trying to carve gear and everything. Since then, I've realized, like, if the harder the snow is, the softer I ride. That's kind of how I feel. Like, if, it, if it's super icy or whatever, I'll just let it slide. I don't care. I'm not. I'm not trying to like always be carving. We were obsessed with carving then, but then you realize you don't really have to do that all the time. There's a time to just let it go sideways. You know. Yeah, there is actually quite a few boards floating around, even in the '80s. You know, in the late '80s, there's like. I remember the dude's prop snowboards, and they're all pla they're just literally a piece of plastic, and, and and like just cut out and like kind of bent on the ends, you know. Here's what happened: somehow Burton like saw, or I mean, uh, yeah, Burton too, but but uh, Breckenridge saw the potential that same year when I when they wouldn't let me on the mountain in '85, '86, and then they, then they turned and and opened up to snowboarders. Then everyone moved to Colorado the next year. All the all the pro guys, everyone did, but like. That year that they opened up, they had the world championships in Breckenridge, and then I just went in the amateur division and won like the, the GS and the slalom and the half pipe. And then, yes, Dave Weaver uh, from Sims was all, Dude, we want you on the team, yeah, man. And I was like, All right. And I still didn't really take it serious, but I was like, this Okay, you know what? Pro snowboarding, right? Whatever. And then, like, but but I'll take a board, you know what I mean? So, like, I got some boards out of him, and we, I don't think I even had a contract, it's just kind of a deal. And then I don't know what happened for, for a few years. I rode like whatever. I've always kind of rode almost whatever I want. Sean edged out his friend and teammate Nick Parada to score a pro model on K2. He was a K2 as well. He didn't. He was pissed because I got a model and he didn't. But that didn't stop him from riding those super long summit boards with the farmer graphic on the bottom. He made those with his buddy Steve Link, who had coincidentally grown up next to Tom Sims. And he just had a garage. He never really had like a full factory setup. And then when we used you... to make them and pull them out of the press and then ride them that same night. Because there was this place <laughs> called Mesa Cortina, and then we'd do like runs, road shots in the middle of the night, all like high and stuff, because we stayed up all night. Partied all night at the, his shop. Sean had driven 14 hours from his home in California to ride Mount Baker. Yeah, I don't know. California's all right, but lame. Everything's super expensive, kind of. I'm sure stuff's pricing in Canada, too, but it's just like, I don't, know, I don't understand California, the way they run it. And, but the, the, geographically, it's, it's pretty awesome. I'm kind of tired of Cali. I don't know if I can endure any more shitty winters. The scene's so blown out there, you know, when it does happen. I mean, not not totally. I know how to work it, you know, and get it done pretty good. But some days, you, there's no way around it. It's just blown out, you know what I mean? But I do. I will go to North Star. A lot of times, like, it'll snow three feet at squat, right? And then they have to bomb. They never open on time. It's not like, like these guys are open. Like, there they'd be, like, bombing. for They probably wouldn't open until 10, you know what I mean? But meanwhile, everyone's stacking up, like, deeper and deeper. And everyone's all twisted to get on the hill. But you can go to North Star and, like... You could be taking runs and listening to them bomb at squad and laugh. At like 9.30, you've already got like five or six runs in, and you know that everyone's just standing in line over at the other place, and people just insist on it, you know? Past guest Damien Sanders was a good friend of Sean's from back in the day. 
he, he's a pretty good guy, man, I guess, overall, you know. I, we always kind of made fun of him back in the day. Mm. Really, I li really liked watching him ride. You know, I mean, how could you not? He was rad. He was, like, bigger than life. I mean, his, his, big, his rocket airs and everything were so sick. He was building kickers before anyone. We used to, like, laugh at that, too. We're like, we hated building kickers. I, I'd probably count on one hand how many times I built a kicker. Sean Farmer's legendary status still gets him hooked up with free gear. He was riding a Yes 420 the day that I was riding with him. And he showed me this Nidecker that he loves to ride. It's like a 163. And he gets longboards from our buddy Harry at Rad Air. But he's no longer a pro snowboarder full-time. No, I, I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. I, I work or whatever I can just so I can go snowboarding you know, and kite surf and stuff, whatever. I worked in the oil field over the summer and save some money. I don't know, like, well, I used to just be able to go, like, go to Alaska and just walk in there. and just, I'd just go in there and just get into heli, you know. And then just tell him, like, yeah, just Bill K2. And I would fly. I could fly anywhere I wanted, you know. Like, I would just call him, like, yeah, I'm going to France next week. I need a ticket. And they would just do it, you know. They would just send me wherever I wanted all the time. That's that's awesome to be able to do that, like, as, as a snowboarder. Like, oh, yeah, I heard this cool over here. And then you just, like, call, make one phone call. And, like, you're going. You're off on a trip, you know. That was pretty rad. So, and being able to heli and then, like, I could have done a lot better, you know, I think, when I look back, but it was awesome. We just partied a lot. I, I kind of, sometimes I think I would have been better if I took it seriously and didn't party, but that's the way we did it, you know. It was just so fun. I mean, partying and all that is just a blast. And, and back then, I just thought that was the best thing in the whole world. It was, like, almost more important to me than, than snowboarding, but it was right up there. It was snowboarding and partying was like pretty much on par, you know. I don't know why that is. I asked Sean if Craig Kelly was a big influence on him. Yeah, the first time I ever came here, I rode with him. Because I came to yeah. Thanks Long in the 80s, and then he took me around, snowed and stuff. But I just, I just always remember, I go, after I've been riding for 10 years, man, I'll really be good. We filmed in Bounds at Squad. It's like impossible now. Because like, by the time you get the camera out, there'll be like five dudes will be in line. You know? No, it's great in there. Like to right all the way to about right this, here, and then good. just take the track out. But that little cat road out is kind of brutal. It's fun to be brought back to that day, hearing us planning where we're going to ride. You go jumping off shit right now, you're going to get hurt, man, I'm telling you. That's from yesterday or something, it almost looks like. Should we go do that? I'll do that. I think it's better than going under the chair. I'd love to go under the chair, but I think the still might get pissed at it. We actually did ride under the chair, like for most of the day. Should I turn my beacon on? <laughs> In the summer of 1994, my best friend Chris and I went down to Mount Hood. We rode with Morgan LaFont, who was Sean's girlfriend at the time. She did a backflip in her bra, wound up with a cover shot on Transworld. She was a snowboard instructor at Breckenridge, and she was on a... And, and she, we gave her a 185 fucking summit board, and she taught on it all season. We sat down in the lodge for a beer. It was pretty loud in there, and I was such a rookie at recording. The audio's kind of crap, but here's a bit of Sean riffing about the kinds of boards he likes. Yeah, I, I got a couple Indies the other day. I had an Indian nice. method, but not today. I just like exotic snowboards. You know, I did the longboard thing, and then like, it's like I said, if I was in Europe or something, you know, I, on a three-foot day, I'll, I'll ride a longboard, but as soon as it gets beat up, I'll just go right back to my snowboard. And I have like a 63 that I like to ride, and I went over there with Harry Guns and stuff, 
and he had given me those longboards, and I came over there with this Night Echo thing, this 163 that I ride a lot, and, and uh, he, I'm sure he was bummed, but I rode that thing at that resort. It was the perfect tool. It worked really well. It would be it would be really good here, too, but, yeah, it's a 63, but it's, like, narrowing the tail. It's kind of that same idea. That board, you can get air on, so I, mean, I don't mean, like, a totally fish shape with a teeny, tiny tail. It just has to be narrower. It's better for every condition except total ice but even like slush they work better in slush they work better in like it makes breakable crust feel just like a powder day almost two inches to two feet to even tracked out but like just like if it's total ice and you want to be 20 and like have like a good edge bite then maybe it's not the best thing but other than that it just rides so good the only reason I'm not on it is I don't want to hit any rocks with it because every year I get one and it doesn't snow we have a horrible season I'll, I'll take do last year I took one mine out and I was like hit a rock it was a killer epic day, and I was riding with Chris Roach. But I just hit these rocks and ragged all and like blew the edge out. It didn't even blow the edge out, but damaged it pretty good. Enough to piss me off really bad. And it was like perfect. It was so perfect. You have this like extra control. It's really, really rad. Okay, that 420 thing, it, it's rad in the PAL. But that board goes killer in the PAL, and it's killer on the hard pack. It was narrow, quick edge to edge. It's like ding, 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 ding. You know? Here's what happens. Everyone wants to be able to throw their board around and swivel it a whole lot. You can do that on the shorter boards. But when you start getting the 170s and 180s, there's no more swiveling around. You have to like let the thing arc all the way out. Basically, like when you look down the hill, you're gonna be like, I'm gonna go all the way down there, I'm gonna be going like 60 miles an hour, and then I'm gonna like turn there and go around that tree, but I'm not even gonna slow down. It's just gonna be carrying all the speed. Or you can like arc all the way back to the hill, but if you try to slide those things around, you'll just beat yourself up. It's actually like, doesn't require a whole lot of effort. I don't know if you ever saw Totally Board One. You know the claymation? Well, that dude's name is Fred Stir, and he was an artist, he made all that clay dudes. That guy, I was like, you know, I wanna board my own. He's like, I'll make you a silk screen. I was like, all right, make me a silk screen. So he just like, made me a silk screen, rolled it up, and mailed it to Steve Link, and then we just unrolled it and stapled it. All you, all you gotta do is staple it to a frame and like squeegee some ink through it. That was sort of kind of during the same time as K2, because I was with K2, but I'd ride those things anyway just because no one had them. I knew and they knew too that it's not like I was riding Burton. It's not in conflict with them. It, really, it's just like a small-time dude right. making a book, something custom, one-of-a-kind thing, and Plus, nobody had it. It just set you apart, you know? Yeah, that was really good. You were popping some air, Steve. Fucking shredding. Thanks for listening to the remix of the Sean Farmer episode. We're hoping to bring you more remixes in the summer and fall before the season starts again in December. We've already been talking to some pretty good guys for next year. We've got Palmer. We've been talking with Brushy. Keith Wallace. We're going to start the season off with Russell Winfield. It's going to be a good season, so make sure you come back. All right. F and Rad Snowboarding Podcast is brought to you by BR Productions. We got like six probably runs in the morning without one single. We didn't even cross a track. It was pretty, it was ridiculous.